Welcome to Hook and Landry, my favorite part of the week, because I get to talk to this guy and learn uh, more about football. I was actually visiting uh, with a, a big fan of the show, um, and he he said, man, that just must be cool. And I said, it is cool, because I learn more about football each and every time I talk to Chris Landry. Go to LandryFootball.com, and just got a ton of info. His podcasts are free. But you're absolutely crazy if you don't invest in the subscription because you're going to be sitting around the water cooler saying stuff to your friends are like, how did he know that? So that's what LandryFootball.com will absolutely offer you. I'm Dave Hooker. I covered the SEC for a number of years. And uh, he, of course, is Chris Landry, who's been a scout, a coach. He's done it all in the NFL and college level. So I'm just going to, and actually I'm thinking I would like to start every show from this point forward. Now that we have a fairly full complement of games, I'm just going to throw this at you. What is your most interesting moment from the weekend that included the SEC? Because it was a different feel around my house. It was, it had a different vibe. It had a different uh, feel to the whole weekend. Just some intriguing games. I guess the number one thing was the Mississippi State upset over LSU. So is it specifically, uh, and I take a different approach to it. Oh, Mike Leach again, he's going to kill the SEC. No, he's not. There wasn't anything exotic or special that they did. This was about... And one of the things we didn't know, I did not predict a Mississippi State beating LSU. But in the firm room breakdown, this is what we do on LandryFootball.com. We talked about beware, Bo Pelini. You, you can't be over-aggressive and play man coverage, and you certainly can't play off coverage against this passing attack. Dave, that's all they did. And they got torched. And it wasn't like, oh, boy. And it's, oh, boy, Mike Leach is a genius. Mike Leach gets, Mike Leach gets outcoached more games and he outcoaches people. And this was one of them, but he, but he is good for some upsets, and this was one. This was one that shouldn't have happened. LSU should have been able to play it differently. They didn't. They did not adjust. And, yeah, they're down a bunch of players. I mean, and this is not going to be the same LSU team. And the people, the word that came out of Baton Rouge and Ed is, you know, hyping off. It's not even close to being the same team. But LSU is still more talented, even in its current form, than Mississippi State. But the way they played it just really cost them. And they don't have the offense that can just turn around and do what they did last year with Joe Burrow. That was the, the biggest statement. Uh, to go on the road and get that done. Um, I would say next to that, you know, Florida's offense is really good, Dave. I mean, Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts are elite, and this offense is for real. The defense has to improve. Everybody, it, it, you know, and I would, the other thing I would say is the overall overreaction. Florida's going to win the national championship. Georgia's dog. Who, you know, LSU's dad. Leach is going to, you know, it's just, uh, it's, oh, you know, it's just so it's complete overreaction. But, you know, I think Florida's offense is good. Georgia's got some work to do at the quarterback position. Uh, lots of work, in fact. Um, AM looked awful. 
particularly the first half against Vanderbilt. Um, so that's kind of a snap. And then I did not, I give a lot of credit for Kentucky in their coaching. Boy, did they do a really poor job. And Auburn did some good things. And I still don't think Bo Nix protects the ball as well as he needs to. But th- this defensive line grew up pretty quickly against a very good Kentucky offensive line. For, you know, we always just assume, and I always say, hey, nobody gets as much out of his team than Mark Stoops. That wasn't a great coaching performance at all. I didn't think they played to their strength, and I thought Auburn did a really good job. So that all of that kind of jumped out at me, but it was headline by Mississippi State's win over um, over LSU. And Alabama still Alabama. They rolled and kind of let the foot, foot off the gas in the second half, but they dominated. I'm not bragging about this assignment because it wasn't one of my favorites, but there for about six months, I did cover junior college football in Mississippi. So (laughs) given that background and uh, those guys aren't the easiest to cover or pick up the phone. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that Chris, (laughs) neither of the coaches. It ain't ain't easy to recruit, recruit those guys, my friend. I can tell you that. Yeah, The coaches don't want you there. I think one coach said, who the bleep are you? How do I know you're not a scout from another school? This kid's committed to school X. And I said, I guess just call the school and ask. So he did. And I got the interview. But the point being is I find this interesting. I don't know that Ole Miss or Mississippi State with two very unique coaches are going to explode onto the scene. But there is that junior college pipeline where if you have a good year one, you might pick up three or four guys, Jackie Cheryl, that change your team. Um, I know they're risky. I know junior college kids are there for a reason. But I just, I find the early, not just games, early years, one and two, interesting between these two very unique coaches. But it could be, but you know, the one thing that's changed, Dave, then over the past years is now people are doing what we call the college football free agency bit. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like in throwing into the junior college ranks, it's like, you know, and and you can hear Lane, Lane Kiffin's been the one out front saying, oh, I think it's a travesty that all those, those Pac-12, before the Pac-12, they can't, they can't become eligible immediately. Well, I I get that, you know. I think Lane is going to try to get a lot of transfers in because look at their scholarship numbers. They're so low. So I think Juco and then transfers are something he's going to do early, but I think he's certainly recruiting. That's his strength. It is not Mike Leach's strength. And I think that Mike Leach will have more early success because there's more talent at Mississippi State. I think Lane Kiffin will have more long-term success because I think he'll recruit well. Mike Mike doesn't work hard in recruiting, and uh, yeah, he's there in closer proximity to to players. But um, I don't think that's going to be his strength. But I, you know, I do think that. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, you bring a good point. Mississippi in Kansas. I mean, certainly. You've got a lot of junior colleges in California, but you know Mississippi and Kansas are unique in that they are very, very fertile 
junior college recruiting grounds in states that you wouldn't consider to be real fertile and a lot of things there, you know, in junior college football, I mean, that's where you go, man. You, you, you go to a place and if, if you're, if you're not going out West to California, you're going somewhere, you know, Mississippi or Kansas. And again, that's a little bit unusual. I think the real key in recruiting junior colleges is to recruit two junior colleges, meaning you take guys and you have a relationship and you plant them there and they, let's just call it like it is. You go to a junior college for a reason, um, for player development, which is not usually the biggest reason. <laughs> usually it's sometimes guys develop late developers, but usually that's not the reason. That's a very small percentage. Most of it is academic development. There really are good players that could play at a big time program, but academically they, they've got a lot of work to do. Or you've got character problems that if you put them in a structured system and you can kind of get them on the right path and the right track, then maybe you can, they can come back and you can revitalize them. So it's kind of like a, I hate to put it a halfway house, a rehab house. That's kind of what it is from a football team. Yeah. And so if you can, if you can get those guys to there, and then, then bring them out, then, then you can have success, but you just hit it. You can't do those in numbers because you can't win by recruiting the majority of your players in junior college. Cause a, you can't rely on them until you can't really develop them because in mo- even in a case, best case scenario, you might have them for three years, usually two years. That's not enough to develop them. So it's one of the things that you've got to have always your core be high school and then kind of augment with a here or there guy, you know, maybe a half a dozen in a place like if you're at Kansas or Kansas State or Mississippi State or Ole Miss, if you can do that or anywhere else that chooses to go and recruit those guys, then maybe any more than five or six in a given class is risky because it's it's definitely our hit or miss with those guys. So you've got to maximize the the hit factor with them. Um, but no, it's it's going to be interesting to see. And looking at Ole Miss against Florida, they're not good defensively. They're not. They don't have the roster. They are very low in roster numbers. But Dave, they do have an offense that's going to give people some trouble. Love John Rice Plumlee. I talked about. They're going to use him in packages. They're going to use him with Matt Corral. I think they've got a good system going there. I think Ely's a good back. I think they'll be creative. And listen, um, Florida didn't have great success slow, you know, stopping them. They outscored right. them, and they got just enough stops. But um, that's what they're going to have to do. And so I think that Lane is really good offensively, and he's a good recruiter. He's going to have to recruit some more daddies that can come in defensively and play. And we saw – you you freeze do some of that and have some teams that were pretty doggone good. It wasn't always just about a, a a great offensive performance, which was his hallmark, but it's some big guys, guys that, that end up playing in the league that was recruited on the defensive side of the ball. There's not enough of those guys at Ole Miss right now. No. And um, I just kind of remember when Jackie Sherrill seemed to be clinging on to that job. Um, 
And it seemed like he got to a certain point where there were four or five Juco guys. And then there was one season, I'd have to look it up, where he signed like 10 or 12. I'm like, uh-oh. That's just <laughs> that's too many. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay, let me ask you this super, super difficult question. Better offensive coach, Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach. Wow, that's a really good uh, uh, Lane, Lane is. Mike is, and the reason is Lane can take what you have and make the most out of it. Mike, Mike is very stuck on his system. Mike is Mike doesn't have a very eclectic system. And again, people say, well, why do people stop it? There are a lot of people that stop it. Mike Leach couldn't get a lick on the University of Washington. I mean, they did Jimmy Lake's defense killed him. The 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 element of uniqueness of throwing it a million times just gets people. And again, if you don't know how to play it, it's a little unusual. But it's kind of like it's the passing version of the option. If you don't see it a lot, you're going to have a hard time adjusting to it. You're, you're going to see with Lane. What Lane does better is Lane can take a, a, a Blake Sims or someone and, and, and can make him really successful by creating through motions really good concepts in the passing game, whereas Leach is all about his system and he can't really adjust or change, which is why, you know, they're, they're you know, everyone, it, it's amazing because Mike gets a lot of credit and I'm not trying to take credit away from him, but Mike Leach, you know, most coaches get, get criticized, Mike Leach gets all the praise, but when he blows a 56 point lead in one quarter to, to UCLA, nobody even seems to mention it. I guess because I study it, I see all the warts that he has. I see that, again, he gets outcoached as much as he outcoaches. But it's a little bit of a hit or miss. So I think Lane is a better offensive mind and I think can do more things um, and can adjust his personnel better. Um, I, I, that, that's how I see it. And I think his system is a little bit more sound and can play complimentary ball because regardless of what Mike Leach's defenses are going to always struggle because he doesn't play smart football offensively to help his defense so I think what you saw is the best of Mike Leach will provide an upset and he'll provide some of those down the road but he is going to get out coached and you know you're not going to see well coached teams that game shouldn't happen that way that was coaching, and you're going to see people not line up and play man coverage and allow him to do what he did week in and week out. Yeah, and you brought up recruiting earlier in the conversation. I mean, that's something that Lane's always going to do well. I, I, I turned to Baton Rouge, and I look at uh, Ed Orgeron, and obviously – the honeymoon phase is going to last a while because they had one of the greatest seasons offensively in the history of college football. Uh, however, um, I didn't expect the fall off to be that significant. Did you? 
No, and I'm not sure that it is. I mean, in in what I mean by that is I don't think they're as talented as Florida or Alabama, and unless something weird happens, they're not going to win those games. I think Auburn and maybe even A&M by the end of the year could be toss-up games. I did not expect LSU to lose to Mississippi State, nor should they from a talent standpoint. So that game was not about the talent drop-off. The talent drop-off is going to manifest itself in some of those games, not this one. This one was about coaching or, or the inability to be able to adjust. So they came in. Bo Pelini wants to run an aggressive attacking defense, and he didn't adjust. And, you know, I think a lot of it's probably he didn't put a lot of coverages in for this game. He wasn't as familiar how to play Mike Leach, and he got hammered, and he didn't adjust. And, you know, there's no question not having Stingley in the game hurt. But, you know – you've got to be able to make some adjustments that they didn't do a very good job of. And you can tell they didn't have a whole lot in, you know, in terms of packages. So that was on coaching. That was not, Oh boy, that the talent levels dropped below Mississippi state. No, no, no. LSU still got quite a bit more talent than Mississippi state, but it's inexperienced new coach doing things his own way. And they got bit. And that's, that to me is what happened. But look, this is not the same team. And all the Ed and everybody's trying to sell for, oh, we're going to be good. We're going to surprise. That stuff, look, they lost a lot. Last year was a magical year. Last year should be celebrated for what it was. They're not the defending champions. You don't defend your champion. Um, You know, it's a new year. And what you're going to see is a big transition. And you're going to see the strength of Ed is that he's a motivator. He's a recruiter. And so you have a magical year with a Joe Burrow and a Joe Brady and things clicked and it was magical. You take the key components out. You've got a new passing game coordinator. You've got a new defensive coordinator and you've got key talent that left. You know, Ed's only as good as his assistants. If you take a great X as an old guy like a Saban, he can camouflage a coordinator that's not quite getting it done. And it won't manifest itself in a loss like this. With Ed, Ed's not a great X as an old guy. He's a facilitator. And with that, you've got more potential to be up and down. So, you know, people said, well, I think LSU last year, Dave, was a one-year wonder. Well, in terms of a national champion, in terms of the team to beat in the SEC West, yeah, they're a one-year wonder. I mean, they're still going to be good. They're still going to be pretty good this year. But they're not the number one program in the West. I don't even know if they're number two. Time will tell on that. Um, in a given year, I mean, look, Auburn's won a national title too. They Gus has beaten Nick more than anybody, but they're still not consistent. They've been up and down. I think LSU will be the same under Ed Orgeron. I think depending upon how the hires work, you know, that's going to be key. You can't lose – LSU lost a lot, but Alabama, Dave, loses the same amount of players just pretty much every year. They still – the only variable is do they win the national championship or do they fall a little bit short, whereas I think other programs like LSU, there's more of a precipitous drop, and I think we're going to see that this year. Okay, but let me ask you this. So uh, you said A&M is a toss-up. Uh, Ford and Alabama. I know we're projecting right what we do, uh, are, are probably losses. 
Um, I don't have a great feel that uh, LSU's defense is going to be able to handle um, an Ole Miss Lane Kiffin. I mean, what if suddenly we're flirting with uh, six and four and five and five season? That that's not outside the realm of possibility. Is it? It's it's not. I think it's probably more likely three losses, maybe four. Now, I think you have to throw that possibility in because as I'm sitting here talking to you last week, a loss to Mississippi State wasn't one of the possible. I mean, I, I just did not see that. Now, it, it will depend. Again, everyone will try to define every one of these teams and players by the first week. Dave, you know that doesn't work that way. It's going to be evolve and be different week in and week out and teams that everyone's praising right now are going to say, Oh, that didn't look that good. And teams that people are trying to bury right now, you'll suddenly forget it if they start to play a lot better. But I still think that you're dealing with say an Alabama, a better team a Florida. It's not only a better team, but a really good quarterback and A&M certainly with a returning quarterback, Kellen Mond did not look like a guy that was expected to take a next step. I don't know that I would, you know, even though A&M beat Vanderbilt, LSU lost. I, I think that's – I still wouldn't know where to go with that. But that's going to be November. Those teams are going to both look different. So I think we're probably looking at three losses, maybe four. Five's not out of the question, but I would probably say four is probably the limit of losses. I, I think this team had to be really either poorly coached or some bad things happen for them to lose five, personally. I don't see that. But, again, I didn't see the loss to Mississippi State either, so who knows. Okay, now uh, you're you're based in Baton Rouge, so you have a, a lot of insight there and you coach there and you went to school there. Um, flip side, I'm, I'm based out of, of Tennessee. So I've got a little bit of insight there. And I was just really taken aback by the number of people who just absolutely tore apart Jared Garantano, which I think it's Tano now. I think he changed it three times. <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Tano, Tano. Um, just like Kamara, Kamara. So, but but here's the thing that's that's odd to me is you get a win on the road against an SEC East opponent. He didn't throw an interception. Do I think he was perfect? No. But one of the things that frustrates me about fans, sometimes you just gotta accept what you got. And that's that's what you got right now. Is he gonna go out there and uh light it up? Um, for 500 yards and 200 yards rushing, probably not. But that's who he is, and I think um, there's there's a certain calming force there. But I, I saw former players on my Facebook page and, uh, <laughs> absolutely tearing him apart, and um, yeah, I just think it's unfortunate. Now the guy is in his 18th year, but still, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean. Didn't he play fine? He didn't play great, but didn't he play yeah, fine? I'm looking at my notes here. I'm looking at my – he graded out adequately here in the game. Here's the big thing on him. He is inconsistent with his ball placement and his in his release. It's, it's just not good enough, and that's where he's just limited. And um, 
you're correct. The way you fix that is in recruiting, you got to get better and, you know, you, you got to do that. I, I think there's limitations on how much better JG can be. I, I think he can be serviceable. They're going to have to be successful offensively, in my opinion, running the football. I think Gray's really good. I think Chandler, I think they've got a good offensive line. I think they've got to really work the layered passing game, work the short passing game. I think there'll be some shots that you can take downfield, but you're not going to win consistently with throwing the football a lot and relying on his accuracy, which I think is really limited. So if you get behind in games and he has to begin to force it, Oh, you, you think it's getting ugly now? It's going to get worse. I mean, so this was one. This was a game in which they were able to manage fairly well. Look, let's call it what it is, Tennessee fans, and I get it. Everybody's got great expectations. Um, I thought you would beat South Carolina because I think you're a little bit better than South Carolina. I don't think you're a lot better. I think you're a little bit better. You're not nearly as talented as Florida. I don't give you any chance in that game unless Florida shoots itself in both feet, in both hands. And you got no chance against Alabama. I mean, you know, you got no chance against Georgia. You know, I know people, oh, you got to be kidding me, Georgia. They will have a hard time moving the football against this Georgia defense. Now, I will give you a slight chance against Georgia if Georgia doesn't figure out their offense then you know what? You might be able to score 14, 17 points. It might be enough if Georgia can't figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't think you've really got any shot in any of those three games. And I think you've got to maximize beating the South Carolinas, certainly beating Missouri, um, certainly beating Vanderbilt, which, you know, modern times hadn't been a given. It is now back again. And beating Kentucky. I think you've got to handle that. That That's going to be the key. And then, you know, the crossover games, as I check and make sure that as all this schedule is um, A&M, Auburn, Ugh. tough games. <laughs> tough games. Now, A&M, I think, is going to be better um, than they looked. And so, look, I, you know, I – I, I, I'm like you. I, I guess I guess you're telling me, and I'm I'm sensing that if Tennessee has five losses this year, there's going to be like an uproar. Well, I expect five losses. I mean, I think well, if that's... they have if they have four losses, I'm saying, hey, nice job. Because oh, you read my mind because that's actually what I wrote on Saturday down south. Um, if it's five and five, don't look at this as a bad season. Um, there are no get better games. I know you could say Georgia State should have been a get better game last year. It was not. But, I mean, as a coach, how challenging is that not to have a couple of non-conference games where you can go out there and rest some guys, you can go out there and get healthy, you can maybe try some new stuff or go vanilla and try it in practice. I mean, that to me is going to be the the challenge that none of these coaches have ever faced. I think it's really tough because we live in a world where people only look at the 
you got better, you got worse based upon your record. Well, Dave, that's not. You can really play poorly and maybe not be very good and win a game. You can look really good and be really good and lose a game. And I, I think it just, in a, in a results-oriented world, and listen, it's all about the results. I get that. But it's how good you are or how weak you are is not, you know, that's directly correlated to how good you are relative to who you're playing and how good are they. I mean, look, I think there's a number of things you can get done in in a, in a normal year in, in win. And I do think why that game I thought, I thought was to me the most intriguing game of the weekend. I didn't mention at the top and I should have, because it was the most intriguing game going in for me, but they were able to get that win and expect them to beat Missouri. And that's huge. Then they got Georgia, then it's Kentucky. Then they've got Arkansas. So, I mean, that Kentucky game's pivotal because that's a swing game that could go either way. They should beat Arkansas. They should beat Missouri. They should beat Vanderbilt um, at the end of the year. They should not beat Florida. They should not beat Alabama. AM and Auburn are in overall probably a tad better. Oh, well, I think in Auburn's case, a little bit more than a tad better, and AM a tad better. So if they are able to beat Kentucky, and AM and Auburn? Are you kidding me? That'd be phenomenal. I mean, that would be almost too good to expect. Maybe not in the eyes of the fans, but just from an objective viewpoint, I think that would be phenomenal. And it's doable. It's not likely, though. I mean, I think four losses is would be good. Five losses is what I would expect based upon their schedule and their team going into it. And yet, you're right. I think most people would be disappointed. Tennessee fans that's not the way I would look at it personally no and I think also and part of it was the way Tennessee was just able to go into South Carolina and get whoever they wanted the Carolinas I should say in general Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think you completely understand if you're younger than 25 how much South Carolina hates Tennessee because Tennessee is that team that has um, like five rivals, but they only view two Alabama and Florida as rivals, but there are a lot of teams that they've, um, you know, kind of beat up one over the years. All right. Last thing I'm going to ask you, uh, and this uh, you'll probably hear this after the Monday night football game, but we're going to jump into it uh, for just a second. Chris Landry. New head coach of the expansion, Baton Rouge, uh, Jambalayas. <laughs> Would you rather coach uh, Lamar Jackson or Patrick Holmes from day one? Uh, I, Patrick Mahomes has got um, – he's he's the best player in the league, You know, certainly the best quarterback and the most important player. Aaron Donald is probably – as good a player as there is in the league, but the quarterback position, uh, Patrick Mahomes, that's easy for me because he can throw it with unbelievable uh, at different platforms, throw it outside the pocket, and I'm always going to take a guy 
that is a better passer of the two, and he's a better passer. Not that Lamar Jackson is not. He is good, but to me, that's pretty easy. I, I would take Mahomes. Um, I think Baltimore is a little better all-around team, but that's obviously not the question you ask. Okay, but let me play devil's advocate just a little bit. Gotcha. I agree with you. But devil's advocate is this. You get to do something different in the NFL with Jackson that hasn't been done in the decades. I mean, you, you have a different style of player, and they have molded that offense around that. So that gives you the opportunity mm-hmm. to be a little more creative, a little more fun. I'm not arguing who the better player is, but wouldn't that be appealing? Well, it would be appealing, and I like to coach Lamar. I'd rather coach Mahomes because I can do more. I can right. do more with Mahomes. I can do more in the passing game. There's there's no limit to what I, the one thing that Lamar can do better than Mahomes is the design runs. Uh, and Mahomes is really good running it, but the design runs would be intriguing. But I'd much rather be able. I can do more with Mahomes because I can put more into the passing game. Um, you know, but and look, I, 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 I'd be happy with either. But I feel like I can get more done, and I could do more things with Mahomes. No, no question about that. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but I thought I could maybe. No, no. Maybe at least get you. Get me off of that. No, no. And look, I mean, here's the thing. I do think, and we're, we're, we're obviously, if you're listening to this show, we're, we're taping this before the game. I actually think Baltimore is going to get revenge on Kansas City. I think that they're a more complete team, a better defense. But let's go back to the playoffs and the inability when you have to play from behind. There's nobody like Mahomes. I mean, if you're down, you're up 14 points on Mahomes and they've got four minutes left in the game, they still got a great chance. That's not what Lamar Jackson and Baltimore offense is built on. They've got to play from ahead. And so you're never out of the game if you're Kansas City, whereas I think Baltimore has got to win, and, and we saw it last year. Let's remind folks that the MVP of the league was Lamar Jackson last year. The best record in the AFC was Baltimore. It was Kansas City that won the Super Bowl and trailed in every game in the playoffs, including the Super Bowl. But it's the inability to to the game is never over because of Patrick Mahomes that makes him a little bit more unique and can do things that, that I don't think Lamar can do quite to his level. I'm taking Troy Aikman. Uh, that's looking like. So wait, hey, hey, before before we get out of here, so we got we got this week. What games intrigue you? Let's we got Auburn, Georgia. That is uh, obviously the big game in the SEC. A and M, Alabama, TCU, Texas. How about the Longhorns coming back? What a wacky game that was. Oklahoma, how about Oklahoma losing to Kansas State for two years in a row? They got Iowa State this week. Watch out there, make sure. Um, going to be an interesting week. Going Coming forward in the, uh, the NFL, we've got the Patriots and the Chiefs, the Bills and the Raiders, the Steelers and the Titans are going to be really interesting. Uh, 
got some interesting matchups. Anything jump out at you that excites you this coming week? I guess I'm just hoping that everybody stays healthy and everything continues uh, the way it did on Saturday. I'm I'm a little surprised, quite honestly, as my kids are now being virtually schooled once again, um, that this this hasn't uh, blown up. Um, and and I don't want that to sound negative, but I guess that's just where I stand. That everybody's playing, that everybody's fine, that nobody gets hit with a 15 or 20 game COVID injury list. But, um, you know, I, I will say this. I mean, I, 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 I want to see uh, Texas A&M, as you mentioned, they were a little disappointed against Alabama. And, uh, I mean, there's no reason that LSU shouldn't drop Vanderbilt. But if they don't come out angry, then you wonder if they've got – that championship hangover. I've, I've seen that happen several times. They're like, hey, we did it. You know, it used to be in the NFL, they'd all write books. You know, everybody wrote a book <laughs> in the off season and did their commercials. So right. I, I hope they're not like that because I've covered Ed Orgeron and you've worked with him. And um, I just, um, I, I guess I want to see where that went. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't beat Vanderbilt 50 to 3. So if they don't come out and play with some heart, I'd, I'd be very surprised. And I want to see A and M. I thought I thought Kellen Mond was going to take a big step. He was, you know, he did last year. So I don't know anything. Any game specifically stand out to you? Auburn Georgia. Um, yeah. Auburn Georgia is really intriguing. Georgia's got a you know the they say the biggest jump between week one and week two. Or the biggest jump is week one to week two. A lot of improvements, but. The, the quarterback play has to improve a great deal um, or else George is going to struggle to put anybody away offensively. Cause I don't think you can just line up against Auburn and do what you did against Arkansas and kind of put it away. I think you're going to have to be a little bit more balanced. So that, that uh, jumps out at me as a game that's really intriguing. Um, and, uh, you know, I do, I do think Ole Miss Kentucky is going to be interesting. Expect Kentucky to respond and, uh, we'll see, we're, we'll see where things go there. Um, Mississippi state has got Arkansas hosting Arkansas. I don't know how intriguing that is, but, uh, I tell you another one, and I'm worried a little bit about them is the start, because I think that South Carolina will Muschamp is going to go down 0 and 2 because they're going to Florida and I think that could get ugly. And um, after losing week one to Tennessee and I think losing to Florida, that's uh, that's not going to be a good start for them. So that's kind of jumping out at me outside the league. You know, again, Oklahoma, Iowa State, want to see how that responds, TCU, Texas. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see where things kind of had. The Big 12, I thought they were going to take themselves completely out of it if Texas, because I thought Texas had blown that game to, against Texas Tech, um, and and you're sitting there with the. By the way, since we talked last, Pac-12, MAC, Mountain West, along with the Big Ten, is back in playing football starting early November at the latest for all of them. So I thought the Big Twelve was going to take themselves completely out of the playoff picture before the Big Ten and the Pac-12 even started their season. So. Um, there's still some intrigue left, but I, I'm, I'm happy that at least everybody's playing ball or on course to play ball. And I'm with you. I'm, 
I'm holding my breath, hoping we can get through it. But so far, so good, obviously. Yeah, I'm definitely taking football over the presidential debate, but I'm not going to go politics. Um, have a great week, everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you uh, next week. Uh, Hook and Landry's Chris Landry. Go to his website, LandryFootball.com. And I'm Dave Hooker. We will talk to you in about seven days.